following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. You comfortable over there? You, you got this? I think so. I mean, I realize it's not the best chair in the world. That's all right. I, I can lean in it. That's the nice part. <laughs> it's a leanable chair. I think you've become the first uh, host in the building to go ahead and put his feet up, though. <laughs> well, when you got these long legs that I have, uh, it's either do that or your feet fall asleep. So, And they're falling asleep anyway. Yeah, well, I get you. He's Colby Van Camp sitting in this afternoon. Troy Coverdale with you. See, this is where things have kind of gotten messed up today. Welcome to the new week. <laughs> Mitch is off today. He saw Motley Crue last night in Omaha. Ooh. So he took the day to recover. I get it. Kind of like Motley Crue, except that they need three days to recover nowadays. <laughs> Travion is out because of a buddy's birthday today. Dave G. had to run Sarah to the airport today, and the flight was delayed even before they left the house. Incredible. On top of that, Dave's going to be playing, you know, Daddy Daycare times two. Mr. Mom. Over the next few days. So he's out. It kind of got lonely real quick around here. <laughs> so he called in the, the D team, i.e. me. The pinch hitter there you go. is alongside this afternoon, and that <laughs> is Colby Van Camp sitting in with me. As we've got a few goodies to get to, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Ed Werder from ESPN, who his primary gig is covering the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, we'll be talking about one Deuce Vaughn. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, did that excite everybody or what it was really cool on saturday night it was just really cool to see him out there doing his thing um he got so much hate for the videos that people were putting out about him on twitter and in in training camp and uh then he showed up and did exactly what everybody who rares royal purple knew that he was gonna do Uh and the nfl said who is this guy i'm like well we've been trying to tell you this entire time if you just paid attention (laughs) so we'll get the thoughts from Someone who is watching camp and has a handle on exactly how Deuce's pursuit of a spot on the roster is going. That when we check in with Ed Werder again at the bottom of the hour. Also, of course, the number two song of the day. AP Top 25 is out. We're going to dig into that in hour number two, but it has the Cats at number 16. Yes, KU received a vote by mistake. (laughs) I love that. I love that. That is so perfect. Oh, but everybody lost their minds over the weekend. Yeah, they did. Everybody lost their dang minds over the weekend. No, not not going to the garage sale. Which Though I everybody, was at. Yeah, which everybody lost their minds about, too. I was there, and everybody was losing their minds for that. I mean, I, I wanted to stop just to grab a Darren Sproles bobblehead. You should have told me. I would have I would have grabbed you one. I didn't realize you were going to be there until too late, and I just was like, okay, that's, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, you know, chance, chance is gone. Chance out the window. But 
the fact that I drove by an hour and a half after it started and the parking lot was still two-thirds full and the line was all the way down West Stadium still floors me. It's bonkers. It's just crazy. I mean, the dedication of K-State fans to show up and get memorabilia that they know is officially gone because they've been standing there for an hour and a half is just wild to me. How many people did athletics have working it? Um, I think they had probably 30 people. Really? And okay, so they weren't caught completely flat-footed no, by this. It wasn't completely flat-footed, but where I think they did get catched, caught, catched, jeez, you you really did bring in the D-team here, catched, <laughs> flat-footed, hey, listen, caught, yeah, flat-footed. Live radio, baby. I know, if I can English right, that'd be great. But uh, caught, flat-footed, they just let people take whatever they want. There were no limits. And so you had somebody come in and buy 87 yes. jerseys yes. for $4,500. And then all the folks that are standing out there don't get an opportunity to buy a jersey, right. which kind of sucked, I thought. That is, let's be perfectly honest, an area where, yes, you don't think about that. Right. In a day and age where probably now you do have to think about that. Yeah. Because it's going to be a matter of all of those turning up on eBay and someone <laughs> turning it for the quick buck. Yep. That's exactly what I guarantee happened. Because who else buys 87 jerseys? Why? What's the purpose? Unless they were buying for a high school team. But let's be honest, 85 jerseys, I mean, that that's enough for a football team. <laughs> well, but they all have a power cat in the Big 12 logo yeah, on them. So that has to be a copyright infringement. <laughs> Not necessarily with how the power cat works. The, the conference true. logo, that's possibly. True. The conference logo, possibly. But what prompted some people to begin to lose their minds was the fact as this is going on, somewhere along the way, the little birdie chirped that uh, you do know that K-State's going to be going to Under Armour. Somebody declared X marks the spot on X uh, or Twitter. Sorry, what, what are we calling this now? Is uh, I, this call it, I call it the artist formerly known as. the artist On the artist formerly known as, X marked the spot was declared as Under Armour, but uh, maybe not. Contract for K-State runs through this school year okay. with Nike. And so, you know, don't look anything in, you know, don't take anything from what took place on Saturday as being an assurity as to what that means for the future. Sure. Okay? that that They are two completely separate items for discussion. You know, they in terms of a conspiracy theory, they're great. They work together. Oh, yeah. They, they meld better than many conspiracy theories that are out there. <laughs> there's just enough information to indicate that it's true, and there's not enough in information to indicate that it's false at the same time. So there you go. It's the perfect conspiracy theory. Exactly. We don't know yet, and that's the thing about it. We're just getting started in this school year. Sure. And the contract would be literally through the end of the school year before any change could even take place. And I get the thought process where people immediately hear the words under armor and they hitch. I joked that, by the way, uh, noting this morning, at least they're better than Adidas. Hey, man, I don't want to get caught up anywhere near Adidas. I, I want nothing to do with it. Um, 
but then again, so is New Balance. So is <laughs> Russell Athletics away. Oh, mm. K State K State basketball shows I, up I in their you, in their Reeboks. Uh, listen, <laughs> I want you to understand that there was a time in my career when two of the three make that three of the four Division One universities in Colorado. Two two of those four were not wearing Nike. One of them was wearing New Balance. That was Northern Colorado. <laughs> with a twist in a moment. Colorado State was wearing Russell Athletics. What a time to be alive. Georgia Tech, by the way, still wears Russell Athletics. You know what? Good for Georgia Tech. They they wear Russell they run the triple option. They're they're stuck in 1920. It's fine. It's fine. They're undersized and they know it. So they they use that to their advantage and they roll with Russell. I'm about it. So while well, we've talked about CU a little bit in Big 12 expansion over the last few weeks, definitely. Tad Boyle's name got brought up. Well, at the time that Northern Colorado was wearing New Balance, which again, I still don't know how at the time, the, the coach for football had a connection, and that's how it became New Balance. Tad negotiated himself a contract that allowed for basketball to go Nike. Only sport in the entire athletic department that had a separate contract because he was not going to be seen dead in New Balance. <laughs> the uh, the four-inch thick sole the white four-inch thick sole wasn't but, doing but, it for him. But they've got that, you know, balance bar in there or whatever it is. Okay, I feel like that's got to be performance enhancing at some point. <laughs> like, like, come on, it's it's like putting springs in your shoes. I could dunk then if I had springs in my shoes. I could dunk uh, then. So once the New Balance deal came up, uh, UNC signed on with Under Armour, mm. which was a blow because uh, it eliminated the nike deal for basketball okay so i had to replace everything i had that was nike related for basketball did they make you personally replace it or did they acquire things for you to replace it with um the latter stages of my time out there they were acquiring things for me but in the early stages no that's crazy and yeah mm-hmm so yeah, I took a pretty good hit. I'm sure you did. On, on the personal side. But at least at that point, let's be honest, at least it was consistent. And Under Armour's football has improved over time. That's not to say that it's Nike caliber, uh, honestly. that That's not to say that it's Nike caliber. I'm just noting that it does tend to get a bad knock. My issues with any of them, that is that they never talk to play-by-play announcers before slapping numbers on any of those jerseys. <laughs> Jersey design and fonts drive me nuts. Yeah. They're either like you're dressed like a Sharpie or a highlighter, right? Like that's that's the first thing. Right. You have an absurd color that you are wearing as an alternate uniform or the the numbers are illegible. You can't even see them. Some of the worst that I've seen, even, even Nike has put together some awful combinations. Yeah. Uh, black numbers on camouflage for Portland State. Incredible. 
I had a headache just from that alone. Uh, Adidas with their red jerseys that match the red field at Eastern Washington. <laughs> and there is no there is no rule in the Big Sky or FCS, or sorry, yeah, FCS, that mandates that you have to wear a clashing color. Oh, man. Unlike the rule that's in place for Boise State and the Mountain West Conference. Well, also, also headache-inducing. Oh, I mean, when you've got your uh, your blue turf that can be seen from space, then yeah. Eastern Washingtons will give you a headache even when it's a cloudy day. That's how bright red that turf is. I've never seen the field. So did oh, they, they have like a red turf? Yes. Like an all-red turf? Yes. How red are we talking? Is it like crimson or is it... Headache-inducing. Neon? It's not quite neon. Just really intense red. Yeah, let me get Roos Field. You're scorching your rods and your cones when you do it. And not only that, you arrive at the airport in Spokane, and they even have a, a ad there, you know, for the school. And so they've even put it where it's the base of the at the base of the ad, where there's a slice oh, of the turf. Oh my god. That is crazy. The best thing that you can do is pull into Cheney, Washington, and there's snow on the ground. That is wild. Who thought that was a good idea? An athletic director. Who clearly doesn't look at the field. I mean, that is just crazy. I mean, it's like it's like those eye tests that you did in science and biology class in ninth grade where you stare at something that's a crazy color and then look at a white piece of paper and you still see it. How would you like to do video scout? <laughs> Try and find the brown football admits the red field slash red jerseys. You know, I think it'd be interesting to like green screen the red field. Like use the red as a green screen and then make it green. Just do it all in post. <laughs> it's just all in post. So there have been at times night playoff games. Because ESPN, of course, carrying the FCS playoffs. There have been night playoff games, so you can imagine what under the lights that looks like. Yeah, under the lights on the surface of Mars. I mean, Pretty you're much. Get, you're getting destroyed from both angles. LEDs up top, the Martian winter so, <laughs> on the floor. It's uh, crazy. But then, irony of speaking of red, worst basketball jersey I think I've seen in terms of design. Hit me. Southern Utah's by Adidas, where it was literally just a plain red jersey with black lettering and numerals on it. I'm getting a degree from Southern Utah University. Speaking of not being able to uh, scout because you couldn't read the numbers. (laughs) Try watching video and you can't make out the numbers because the jerseys are so dark to begin with. Again, they don't talk to play-by-play guys. All you have to do is talk to your media coordinator. It's, it, That's it's, it. It's been a running gag, and, and UNC's football players knew this when I would be making comments on social media back whenever because they would they would poke fun at me. Oh, yeah? Because what you know people think are hot uniforms or great uniforms or really neat looking, I'm like, no, that's garbage. Because you can't see it. Because you can't read the number. It's like uh, when KU had their special teams guy lie down in their end zone to try and hide against, what was that, the TCU? Yeah. TCU, and he went about six yards and got destroyed. (laughs) So, as I put it this weekend, you know, 
the, the discussion about equipment is a matter of just catching our breaths, understanding there's a whole school year yet in front of us. Yeah. There's negotiations to take place. There's plenty of discussions that will be had over time. And you will hear from the coaches in those discussions. There is no way that any of the head coaches do not have a say in this matter. Is it it's, cl- it's not just the athletic administration making the call. Sure. Is it crazy for me to say that I actually kind of enjoy Under Armour's products? I mean, I don't know if necessarily I would enjoy it from a fan standpoint, but I really I have a lot of Under Armour that I have acquired over the years that I think is pretty nice and that I enjoy. From a workout standpoint, they're stellar. Gotcha. And, and okay. let's be and let's be perfectly honest. I mean, okay, not that I have a lot of room to talk about workout, but <laughs> let let's be perfectly honest. The Maryland alum who created Under Armour really found a niche. Yeah. And exploited it beautifully in the workout gear realm because dry fit was not a thing. Sure. Thin polyester dry fit was not a thing. And, you know, you you can notice it if you try to wear a T-shirt from 25 years ago to a workout, as an example. <laughs> yeah. How different that is. Yeah. Versus what's on the marketplace now. They revolutionized a lot in the t-shirt game and in the process have made a lot of money. But from a design standpoint for uniforms and, yes, some in shoes, they have struggled. From a marketing standpoint, I, I kind of enjoy the way that they go about things from the workout perspective. But I guess I just I've never engaged with a fan base that has Under Armour as their primary distributor, so I've never seen the fan gear for Under Armour. So I guess I I I can't really make any definitive claims one way or the other. But I I personally like Under Armour's workout gear. So it's stupid if their fan gear isn't the same level of their workout gear. No, and and a good bit of it is they just don't have the ability to make the same amount of it as what Nike is able to do. Ah, uh, I got you. Which means that in the case of Nike, they're able to diversify it to how many different styles that Under Armour does not have the ability to do. It still remains, Nike is a huge number one on the marketplace by a long shot. And and for varying reasons. And there's a reason why they are Major League Baseball's uniform supplier. There's a reason why they're the NFL's uniform supplier. There's a reason why they're the NBA's uniform supplier. The NHL is stuck with a Reebok. <laughs> hey, hey, Reebok is comfy. And when you're getting punched in the face <laughs> on on an ice rink, you want to be wearing something that's comfortable while you're getting thrown around, smacked around. I, I respect that. I respect that. <sighs> you know how long it's been since I've owned anything Reebok? I've never owned anything. Oh, geez. On that note, uh, we're going to talk, actually get in depth with something, you know, notable here in a minute. Ed Warder, ESPN. 
covering the Dallas Cowboys. We'll get his thoughts on Deuce Vaughn's performance in the preseason opener for the Cowboys and talk more about, well, what he's seeing from the boys. It We'll call it my treat for Mitch being off today. Nice. That when we continue on the game. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the game. You, my friend, are in the game on News Radio KMAN. That's the game! At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fight to keep it. The game continues on News Radio KMAN. Troy Coverdale joined in hour one and a little bit of hour two by Colby Van Camp. ESPN's Ed Werder will hopefully be checking in with us shortly. But hey, you know, I mean, the guy's got television to be done. He hosts a popular podcast on the Cowboys. I mean, you know, there's a lot going there. I was impressed you got him. It helps being able to talk when someone who you've you know had previous chats with sure covered uh, your he, alma mater well he's a northern colorado alum and so that helped out in that we met along the way and so definitely boom there it is so as i said ed will uh, hopefully join us here in a few moments we uh, gave him a ring but you know how things can line up so timing may be just that little bit off go figure he is of course you know at at everybody else's whims Oh, of course. Not necessarily ours. Of course. <laughs> um, you're from Colby. No. No, you're from? Topeka. Okay. Family's from Colby. My dad's from Colby. There Texas. we go. Yep. Okay. All right. So you are a Chiefs fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I grew up a Chiefs fan. I mean, to be honest, I never really, I never really, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the NFL growing up as a kid because it was all K-State. Uh, that's all I cared about. <laughs> all the purple, all the time. But I, I was never not a Chiefs fan, so I, I don't it's, I don't consider myself a bandwagon fan, because it's I, I was always on the wagon, but I just didn't pay a whole lot of attention to what was happening on the wagon, and then it started getting interesting, and then I started paying attention. Uh, it, basically, you didn't get all that fired up about it because it was the walk through the wilderness that was the majority of Chiefs history for about the last 25 years. Yeah, get fired up about Matt Castle or get fired up about Patrick Mahomes. I think the answer speaks for itself. Sure. Or, you know, get fired up about Todd Blackledge <laughs> and John Makovic <laughs> and Frank Gans. The era in which I became a Broncos fan. That should tell you something right then and there. Uh, your thoughts on uh, how the Chiefs looked yesterday? You know, I was... First of all, it's a preseason game. If people are mad about the loss, whatever. This is the opportunity to get some of those rookies, those undrafted free agents, get guys like Echo Boydo some time on the field. Looked good. He did. He looked really good. I love seeing him put the, the classic thumbs down after denying a couple <laughs> of different passes. Um, getting Felix Anudike Uzama, King Felix out there, I thought was huge. Just allowing him to get some snaps against people other than his own offensive line. Um, so that's that's the purpose of those games. It didn't really bother me that it was an L. I loved that it was competitive. 
Uh, I loved seeing some of the pocket presence of the quarterbacks that they rotated in. Mm-hmm. You could tell that there's a, there's now a tree developing of people that are understudies to Patrick Mahomes because of the way that they stand in the pocket and the way that they look around the field as the play is developing, the way that they scramble. I thought that was interesting. You know, you can you look at a Bill Belichick and you you say, "Oh, look at his coaching tree," and it's very clear who all has gone where. Right. But you can do the same thing for the athletes as well. And and Patrick Mahomes' quarterback tree, I think, is going to be an interesting one over the years. Let's try this. Hi there, are you there, Ed? Hang on. You know you piped down at just the wrong time. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It happens. I'm so sorry. Hey, let's uh, take a moment and welcome into the show Ed Werder. Ed, thank you for a few minutes of your time today. How are you, my friend? I'm well. Yourself? I can't complain. Uh, I mean, it's a long day after being awake at 4.30, but it is life. That's uh, the way it goes. You've been I think there we're before. We're not allowed to complain about first world problems. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've learned. Let's be perfectly honest. For us here in Manhattan, Deuce Vaughn is beloved. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that because he's been such a great story and performed so very well. And so we're all cheering for him with the Cowboys. And felt like that Saturday he really acquitted himself well. And I know that he's been kind of the rave of camp with fans. Yeah, you know, he was the 14th running back drafted in his class. The other night in his NFL debut for the Cowboys, he had 12 touches for 80 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he's made a lot of noticeable plays in training camp throughout, with, in practice. Uh, but to do it in a game, even a preseason game, uh, I think was really significant. You know, he had the 26-yard run over the right guard. It's kind of the highlight of the game uh, for Dallas. Uh, he later had a four-yard touchdown run, and Dak Prescott was celebrating mm-hmm. for him like it was a regular season game-winning play. Uh, Mike McCarthy, after the game, spoke about how impressed he was, uh, said he thought he had a heck of a night. It was a great introduction to the NFL. And so even before the game, Troy, um, this was a guy who had captivated the Cowboys, who you know, they lost to the 49ers in the second round of the playoffs last year, divisional round, because they ran out of playmakers. Well, they went into the game with only two, CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard, and Pollard broke his ankle in the first half, and they scored 12 points against a really good defense. So the emphasis this offseason was on acquiring playmakers, and they traded for Brandon Cooks, they drafted uh, Deuce Vaughn, and, and McCarthy's made comparisons in camp that, you know, Deuce Vaughn has the same kind of versatility as a Randall Cobb had uh, when he had him in Green Bay. Uh, talked about him being a versatile space-type player, guy who can run with the ball, uh, and who caught 116 passes during his college career, which was the most among running backs in this draft class. And don't forget, and then I'll, I'll let you ask your second question, <laughs> and don't forget that in McCarthy, with McCarthy calling the plays and more of the Green Bay, West Coast-style plays in the playbook you know the running backs are really used significantly in the passing game and so being able to be a receiver is going to be a real advantage for Deuce Vaughn. You brought up Dak Prescott with the celebration and what that tells me is that Deuce has continued to be the type of guy off the field that other players like being around. If you practice the first week uh, we, we spoke to Deuce Vaughn for our Doomsday podcast, um, and, and one of the things that he spoke about was having the kind of work ethic, 
that would inspire his teammates to develop a sense of trust and believe in him. And, um, and he did that by, if you watch practice, at the end of every practice, he's one of the last handful of guys go inside because he goes over on the jump machines. He has six lined up, and he's one of the last guys out there catching balls off the uh, jugs machine. Um, and so you know, he recognizes the value of hard work. He knows how he can make a contribution. I think the thing that he set up for himself now is, is he is he good enough to be the number two running back? I mean, he's not on this team anymore. He's going to sign with the Patriots. Uh, Tony Pollard's coming kind of off this, you know, ankle fracture. All indications are that he's healthy. Um, but they don't really roll Jones to the sign to kind of replace Elliott as the second back. He is going to be suspended for the first two games of the regular season. So that's created an opportunity to respond. But Max said it all when he said, you know, this is a league that guys don't wrap up a lot. He's going to bounce off a lot of those guys with his great balance. He's going to be a player. And so far, that certainly played out. Again, we're talking with ESPN's Ed Werder, who has the Doomsday podcast and covers the Dallas Cowboys uh, on a daily basis. And uh, Deuce, with the performance on Saturday night, really, again, captivating uh, everybody's attention. Now you get into that grind where it's about being able to maintain that. You have seen over the years, just as I have, players who have an exciting performance and fans get behind them and they've been behind them in camp, but then it doesn't pan out when it comes to cut time. Yeah, I think there's a real emphasis on playmakers. I think one of the things Mike McCarthy has demonstrated a real willingness to do play rookies. The Cowboys, I think, just... I wondered how long that we were going to have him. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It happened to me the other day, too. I'm going to uh, shift that down. Ed, are you still with us there? Oh, okay. We will uh, go ahead and drop for the moment and hopefully hear back from Ed in a moment. But, again, it gets into the excitement of it. And nothing that Deuce has done thus far in training camp for the Cowboys is a surprise to any of us. No, it's not. And I think that that's the best part of this story is that there hasn't been anything about this that has been at all a surprise in what Deuce has been able to accomplish, at least from our vantage point. We've got Ed Werder back on the line. Uh, to go back to that thought, now's the time where it has to be consistent if Deuce is going to be a part of this roster. Ed, are you with us? Maybe. Going once. Going twice. Okay. Live radio, baby. Gotta love it. It's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, <laughs> you know? <laughs> sometimes it works and sometimes oh, it doesn't. Oh, shoot. Anyway. Um, hey, I can't even get cell phone reception on I-70 sometimes. It's like, this is the 21st century and, uh, you know, I-70 doesn't have cellular service. It's, it's crazy. So It's interesting when you get into the discussion about what cell service is what. Oh, man. You know, when you start to deal with the rural areas still, and yeah. who's got a signal and who doesn't have a signal? Well, and then do you do you like flock to other towns to like make phone calls? I mean, how does this <laughs> how does this work? Do you do we still use landlines? I mean, I assume that's what people do. Um, you you uh, well, some do. Some still have landlines for some crying out. I mean, hey, 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 hey. I was I'm a, I'm born in the '90s. I used a landline. Way back in the day, I don't anymore, but I did. We 
actually, in talking with Mark Johnson, CU's play-by-play voice a few weeks ago, Mitch was thrown completely off by the fact that Mark said, yeah, call me on my landline. (laughs) It didn't phase me a bit because I know where Mark lives. He lives in Evergreen, which is up in the mountains. So he's at about 9,000 feet, not in the city. No. And so, you know, he has to have a landline. You'd it's have, almost a mandatory at that point. You have better reception with the International Space Station at that elevation than you do, like, the rest of us here right, on Earth. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, Ed Werder, having joined us, uh, sorry that it didn't pan out as clean as we would have liked. We may hear from him a little later. But uh, you get the idea, though, the point being that uh, they're excited in Dallas about the possibilities and the fact that there's that mention as a potential number two already for Deuce after that performance on Saturday, that says something for what they're seeing from Vaughn in camp down there. Definitely. And, you know, the way that Deuce was able to be utilized at Kansas State was really special. It was clear that Chris Kleiman and company wanted to dial up specific ways to get him the ball. And Deuce is not the power running back. We all know that. DJ Giddens is more of a power running back. But to get someone like Deuce... He's a he's a scat back, right? He's not your traditional eye formation, run it between the tackles kind of guy. Deuce Vaughn is the most explosive when you get him off the edge, but if you need to run him between the tackles, like he did for that 26-yard gain behind the right guard for the Cowboys, he can do that too, which is why he's so special and why he's so necessary, I think, for a squad like Dallas. Uh, do we have Ed back on the line with us? <laughs> I, I w- we were just joking. I, I talked with Mark Johnson, uh, and Mitch and I talked with Mark here a few weeks ago, and you know, it threw Mitch off that he has a landline. And I pointed out, well, he's at 9,000 feet. Of course he has a landline. So, Well, I don't know. If Deuce Vaughn is as determined to play for the Cowboys as I am to talk to you about Deuce Vaughn, <laughs> he might really have something. The point that we were just making, though, and, and it goes back to what you were talking about even, uh, the ability to be used in so many different ways. K-State took advantage of that, and the Cowboys now are really seeing what those opportunities are. Yeah, and so two points. Uh, one is that, you know, Mike McCarthy is a guy who he learned that you have to play young players early. And so the Cowboys, even though they won 12 games last year, uh, played rookies the sixth. So he's a guy who will trust a rookie who's demonstrated he's worth trusting. And then we also talked about, you know, this, this offense is going to look a little different this year with Mike McCarthy calling the plays rather than Kellen Moore. There's going to be a lot more throws to the back which will benefit a guy like Deuce Vaughn. Um, and I just don't think that – I think he said all the right things after the great performance the other night in terms of, hey, it's all about getting back to the run line you know, and, and next week against Seattle. And that's kind of the advice Tony Pollard has given him. You know, Tony Pollard's a self-made player. He's a fourth-round pick. Uh, and – they got rid of Zeke Elliott in the offseason and franchise tag Tony Pollard. He's going to play for $10 million this year. Uh, so I think the more versatility that you can provide uh, is going to be beneficial to a guy like Deuce Vaughn. I think the question will be, can he pass protect, or can they live without him pass protecting by getting him out of the backfield when there's a blitz instead of asking him to pick up the rusher? Can they get the ball out quick to him in space? 
and punish the defense that way. We saw him do a standout job all season last year, especially because pass protection was something that he had worked on in immensely in the offseason leading up to last year. And, and, and it's interesting that that question is there because we saw what he did when his mind was set to that last year, and he threw some of the best blocks, really, that you could ask a running back to set. The first play from scrimmage in the South Dakota game went for a touchdown with Malik Knowles on a on a sweet play yep. because Deuce Vaughn was the lead blocker. It yep. was crazy. It was exactly. crazy. He laid out the linebacker, and away he went. So we but will. You look, at, you look at the and I know, I know he did Alabama and he had great defensive athlete, but probably not like this is the best of the best now. Um, and and McCarthy has is that. This change in pass protection, and that's a real point of emphasis. His number one goal is to. <laughs> We're so close. I know it. Something, something about the star. <laughs> is the emphasis on the bats and pass protection. We will look forward again to, to hoping that Deuce uh, is able to continue to develop. Ed, I thank you for your efforts today. I'll look forward to catching up to you soon again, my friend. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks. We'll Ed, Ed Werder, once again, ESPN, covering the Dallas Cowboys and uh, uh, has kindly, and, and I mean worked, to be on here this afternoon, as you heard by what the cell phone was like. Uh, that said, for what Deuce did over the weekend, and really K-State players coming off of last year's team that got opportunities in the NFL looked good in week one of the preseason. Yeah. I, I thought it was really a testament to the way that Kansas State is developing a culture of preparing their guys for the next level so that it's not trying to protect yourself from being embarrassed. It's elevating yourself to stand out. And that they did. Now let's see what week two brings. Absolutely. This is, again, where the challenge lies as we go forward for any of those guys. We'll get some thoughts on K-State from what others saw today in the few minutes of quote-unquote open practice that took place as the game continues. Troy Coverdale, Colby Van Camp with you on the game this afternoon. Colby cut the tail end of conversations out at Bill Snyder Family Stadium today. So Guys, the briefest thing. Guys worked out on the field inside the stadium today rather than using the practice facility. And D.Y., among those who was on hand, catching up in the early portion of the day, noting linebacker Daniel Green, nose guard Uso Siamalo practiced, neither one practicing, I should say. Tremaine Carroll and Green both were utilizing the uh, stationary bike during the course of that limited time. Uh, Ty Bowman, Jordan Shippers, Tyler Nellome. We don't know what the extent of any injuries for any of them are. We just know that there are uh, reasons that they were off to the side. Unfortunately so. Some of those guys, um, especially when you have questions about the defense in terms of the defensive line, maybe a little bit less about the defensive line. The key is the linebackers and then your defensive backs. As genius as Chris Kleiman and uh, Joe the Clandy Man, uh, Joe Klanderman are with 
the work that they do with corners and safeties, um, it's it doesn't do my heart a whole lot of good to see Daniel Green off to the side right. uh, or Uso because that's your that's your starting defensive tackle. I mean, he got all the love at Big Twelve Media Days right. from all the folks, and then if he's out on the bike, that doesn't fill your heart with a lot of joy. What it does mean, however, is that we are still in the early days, essentially, of camp. Definitely. You're you're only a week in. And yes, you're going to have guys that get dinged. What it allows for is recovery time. Yep. As much as we don't like seeing the injuries, and honestly, can can we get Daniel Green some time without being injured? I don't know. I hope so. The poor guy. I feel the worst for him, to be honest. He, it seems like every time he's poised to have a breakout season, something comes up and that just crops up on him and it just it reminds me of the way that adrian martinez always seemed to be playing dinged up whether he was at nebraska or at kansas state um but you got to make the the most out of the opportunities that you're given and i know that deuce green will do that that being said uh again not anything that is beyond the norm when you look at a list of guys coming out of the early portion of camp you know you expect that you're going to see about six seven eight guys Hopefully, no more than that. Sure. As you get yourselves ready to go deeper into camp over the course of the next few weeks, I, I find it interesting that they did go back to the stadium today rather than uh, utilizing the Shamrock uh, Center because they have been uh, on the field both inside and outdoors at Shamrock, but decided today uh, to take advantage of being at uh, and take advantage of the opportunity and get out at the stadium rather than use the shamrock. It was too nice. It feels like fall. It's a valid point. It feels like fall. Go play football in football weather. When it's 100 degrees, they'll be back in shamrock, I'll tell you, probably (laughs) coming up this weekend. Hour two of the game coming up. A check of the news headlines just around the corner.